Hey guys, welcome back to Pop Culture Confidential. I'm Christina Yerling-Biro. Hope that you all are doing great as we speed into the holidays. Now, is the new movie Cats as bizarre as it seemed when that trailer was released? And what is that Clint Eastwood controversy all about? What are our thoughts on the major year-end releases like Star Wars and 1917? We're going to be talking about all those things, plus award season. These past few weeks are some of the most important if you, like me, enjoy predicting the Oscars. That's because it's precursor awards time. This is when the Golden Globe nominations are announced, as well as the guilds, like the Screen Actor Guild nominees, the editors, the art directors, costumes, and so on. We have so much to discuss as we approach the end of 2019, so I asked awards expert, critic, and editor-in-chief of awardswatch.com and pop culture confidential favorite Eric Anderson to come back and bring us up to speed. Eric, thanks so much for joining me again. So glad to have you back. I'm happy to be back. Um, So yesterday you saw a movie. Um, It may be one of the most awaited of the season since the release of now, how should I put this, the sort of bizarre head scratcher of a first trailer that came out a few months back. And that's the musical Cats starring Taylor Swift and Jennifer Hudson directed by Tom Hooper. Now, did it make you purr? It made me do a lot of things. I'm not sure it was purring, but I felt all of the things. <laughs> <laughs> Can you be, are you allowed to be more specific? Uh, I, I guess I was more elaborate in my, in my tweets about it than I was supposed to be, but whatever. I think the embargo was like tonight at midnight. Um, it's, I guess it's everything that I was kind of hoping that it would be, which is a giant weird mess because it, it is, it's, it's bizarre. It's, um, it's funny, but not in like ways that it's supposed to be. (laughs) Um, is it good? I mean, can you, is that a question that's possible to answer? that's, That's, that's a really broad term. I think because honestly it feels like a Rocky horror picture show type of midnight movie. It's that weird. Okay. So it could become a huge sort of cult favorite. I think it should be. I think it should be. I think if you, if you are like that in, if you approach it like that, you're going to have a lot more fun with it. It's just, it's a weird musical anyway. It's already strange. These, uh, and the songs and the musical arrangements are so dated and feel really dated. And it's only uh, memory that doesn't sound like that. Memory is a beautiful song. It's very classic and kind of timeless. And it's not locked into these weird synth uh, orchestrations like Andrew Lloyd Webber's 70s musicals were. Mm-hmm. And, but all the rest of the movie and all the rest of the songs are really like that. So it just, it's, it's weird. It's <laughs> a really, really weird movie. Now, now do the, do the cats, the female cats still have boobs <laughs> as they did in yes, the trailer? They, they, they do and not cat boobs, but human boobs. So, so just, just two of them. 
and it's weird. It's they so have, bizarre. They have human feet and human hands, which <laughs> I can't really put together. And sometimes they wear shoes and sometimes they don't. And it doesn't really make any sense why. Like Taylor Swift's character, she only has like a very small part of the movie. She's wearing these like kitten heels, mm-hmm. pun intended. Pun intended, there. right. Uh, and, um, but nobody else is, she's like in a lineup of dancers and singers with her and nobody else is, but she is. I'm like, why, what's going on? What? I don't understand this, but, but really nothing, nothing is going to prepare you for how bizarre and insane the performances from Judy Dench and Ian McKellen are. That's it's, it goes to the nth level. Tonight is a magical night where I choose the cat that deserves a new life. Going to the ball could get dangerous. (laughs) Come on! Let's dance! I judge a cat by its soul. I've got plenty of soul. Spotlight. And a drum roll, please. Milk! It's party time. The most deserving cat will be reborn into another life. So they can be who they've always dreamed of being. What's your name? Cat got your tongue. Here we go! I don't know. It doesn't feel relevant at all. I mean, not that movies have to be movies. Wonderful movies are entertainment and that's enough. But I mean, does it feel like it has any sort of in our time today? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) I think the best thing that you can take from Cats at this time is one of the best ways to completely remove yourself from anything that's happening in the world. Well, good. We need that. Yeah, it's 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 worth it for that. It's I will not say that it's a good movie, but I will also not say that I didn't have a good time. I had a great time. And in terms of Oscar talk, I mean, this has been buzzed about for a year or so. I mean, is it too bizarre, you think? Well, the the Oscar shortlist came out on Monday and it was actually a really big shock that the new song from the film from Taylor Swift and Andrew Lloyd Webber, Beautiful Ghosts, was not uh, on the short list. Wow. That was that was a big shock. So we won't be in there. It won't. We won't be seeing Taylor Swift perform at the Oscars. In in the film, uh, Francesca Hayward sings the song, and it's a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. It works really well, and it also does add a song like Memory that escapes the you know, the, the synth stuff that, that I was talking about earlier. And it's just a nice, timeless ballad. And Francesca Hayward has a gorgeous voice. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then that's too bad that that won't be in there. I know that it's nominated for the Golden Globes because they like their celebrities yes. to come. Yeah. But, um, well, so that, and you don't think there's any other Oscar chances for this? Well, it, it did make the short list uh, for visual effects, and they are better than than in the trailer 
and it is really impressive to me that you know every all of the actors are wearing you know black motion cap suits so all of the everything outside of their face is is visual effects created except and for the hands and feet then except for the hands and feet oh. it's like did you not finish <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's not bad it's pretty good i don't think it's going to make it uh i think maybe production design but i'm a little iffy on that now but that's it Okay, so a movie that we both saw this week is Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. What did you think? I saw that the same day. I saw Star Wars in the morning and I saw Cats at night. Wow. Uh, I did not, I did not like Star Wars. I like Cats better. Oh, oh I I did not like Star Wars either. Pero just lost a few listeners. <laughs> That was just, I don't know, mush of fan service that did not work for me. I did yeah, shed a few tears for Carrie Fisher, but, but then it was just too much. I, I was glad to see her and the, the utilization of her. And I, I think I, I mentioned this in, in my, my tweet comment about it, is that I think I think J.J. Abrams... It was an absolute catch-22 for him. There was no way that he was going to be able to satisfy everybody. Uh, but why try to satisfy everyone then? I mean, it, was, it, just felt, it just felt like it was not brave. You know what I mean? No, it wasn't because it should have been a movie with extremely high stakes. But every time that there was, uh, he would, they would just eliminate the stakes, so it was. They were all meaningless and pointless, and it just and it just happened over and over, and that was extremely tiresome. And I think it's it's it was so desperate to cling on to the legacy and the past of Star Wars that it it didn't allow a proper or really a fair closure to this trilogy because it was so beholden to everything that came before it. So, I, again, I think there was no way really for him to win, regardless of what approach that he took of how to, of how to close. It's definitely gorgeous, and it's definitely a ride. And, and um, do you think John Williams, who now is 87 and has said that this may be some of his last work, that the music could have some Oscar? Well, he'll get nominated for sure. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a given. Uh, yeah, I, I can see a situation where, where he wins. It would it would be <laughs> it would be kind of unfortunate and kind of ironic uh, if he does. I know we're going to talk about 1917 mm -hmm. probably in a bit because I do still think the front runner for that is Thomas Newman, and that'll be his 15th nomination without a win. And you know if if John Williams comes in and swoops in with another win, that would be kind of I don't know. Unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. You're, what you're mentioning is is Sam Mendes' um, World War One film, 1917, which I've also seen and think is absolutely stunning. Um, I really liked it. I'm not sure you liked it, but uh, but and and his music was incredible. Um, I really felt it. What did you think of it? I love loved 1917. It's one of my favorites of the year. It was one of the. I'm not 
huge on sort of the war film genre, um, but this was one of the few, especially in the past five or six years or so, that I actually really felt, it it really shook me, and I felt that I knew these characters and, and that I was experiencing something that I wasn't just sort of experienced mayhem of war, but actual sort of people in it. Yeah, that and it's um, it's an extremely vicarious film without being like a video game, I guess. Exactly. And it, it has this thing where it said that it's supposed to feel like it's a all in one take. And, I, and going into it, I felt, oh, I don't one of those gimmicks, you know. But you actually understand why that's important and why it makes you, you know, it, it elevates the film in a way and it's not just a gimmick. Yeah, it's, I, you know, obviously I, I knew that going in too. So, you know, my senses were heightened as to, you know, where these cuts were going to happen. And, and, you know, they were mostly pretty obvious ones. But uh, we also have a, an interview up at, at Awards Watch with, with Lee Smith, with the editor, who goes into a little bit of detail that there are far more edits in it than you would actually think, which is great. That, that that makes it even better because there were so many then you can't really spot. But yeah, the urgency of the story because it's happening in in real time and from day to night to day again is is crucial to how successful the storytelling is. Do you think it will have uh, Oscar chances? I don't think, I mean, I haven't, you know more than I, but it's not like it's, they're not talking all that much about the actors and such, are they? No, unfortunately, I wish I wish George McKay at least had a little more traction. He might with BAFTA, but it at the same time, it's also kind of common. Mo- movies like this, even if it's not an ensemble, they don't get a lot of of credit for the actors. It's really about the direction and the cinematography and and everything else, all the technical elements. And I think that's going to happen with this film as well. So Mendes will definitely be nominated. Yes, Mm -hmm. I think so, yeah. Okay, so last time we spoke, um, I started that interview, I remember, by saying what a year it's been in movies and TV. There's Parasite and Irishman and Marriage Story. but And then since we talked the past month, it feels like there's been sort of more discussion and more sort of bizarre Cats trailers and, and other things. And one of the things that <laughs> happened in one, this late breaking Oscar season is that not many people went to see the new Clint Eastwood movie and it's his lowest opening weekend in ages. Now, why did this happen, you think? You know, this is actually a really big surprise to me. Um, but yeah, it's his lowest uh, box office opening weekend in 40 years. It's crazy. I'm 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 in shock, honestly. Yeah, I I thought it was going to be a bigger a bigger deal. I think the draw for most Clint Eastwood fans, regardless of what their political leanings might be, is actually Eastwood himself. Uh, Gran Torino and The Mule were huge. Oh, where he's in 100, it. 100, yeah, were $100 million hits. Uh, and this just does, didn't have that, it didn't have him, so it didn't have the draw that I think a lot of his fans wanted. And there's also a controversy surrounding it. Tell us, what, what is the movie about? So the movie is about the 1996 bombing at the Atlanta Olympics. And... Security guard Richard Jewell, 
who was a wannabe cop and all of these things. And he identified that something suspicious was going on uh, at a festival section of the Olympic Village. And in his identifying of this backpack with pipe bombs in it, he was able to remove enough people out of harm's way that I think only two people were killed. But almost immediately, the story turned on him being the prime suspect because they didn't have a suspect. And I, I think there's an interesting story there. I, I His life was basically destroyed. Is... His life was destroyed. I think Aside from the controversy, which I'll get to in a moment, I'm not sure if Richard Jewell as a character is that interesting mm -hmm. to examine. I think from the outside, the story is, but there wasn't really, there really wasn't much to mine out of him as a character. And so what ended up happening is that the character of the reporter for the Atlanta Journal, who's played by Olivia Wilde, uh, is turned into this like weird vixen who screws for uh, leads and and John Hamm is the FBI agent who's really on uh, Richard Jewell's case and really after him. Yeah, she has sex with her source. Uh, and yes. this particular journalist is also deceased, so she has nothing to mm -hmm. say about it, um, which seems like a very strange choice for Eastwood to make. Yes, and that was and you from from the trailers. The 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 point of view of the film was attacking uh, the press and the FBI and the, the government, which you know that's that is the red meat of a lot of Eastwood's fans, mm. which is which is why the poor box office is was such a surprise that they didn't come out for that. Really surprising. Mm. And, and um, maybe it wasn't because of this controversy, but I haven't seen it, so I can't say for myself, but, but the way it's described to me of Olivia Wilde's character, it really sounds like a horrible choice by Eastwood. I, I, I felt it was. I felt there was a lot of really bad choices with her character just in, entirely. And very odd, I mean, considering what a great movie Olivia Wilde made this year with Booksmart and, and, and just that she sort of, I mean, I don't know what the situation is when you're being directed like that, but it seems like something she should, she would have felt while she was filming it. But yeah, she's 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 been kind of defensive about that because you know the the press came pretty hard at at Eastwood and at her for doing it, and she kind of gave this this you know I you know I didn't realize this was you know happening as we were filming, and like I don't really understand how how that works as a defense. Usually when Eastwood comes, he a lot of his movies, he often saves them for December and then all of a sudden they get all this Oscar buzz. But does the poor box office and this controversy, does this, is he out of the race, you think? I think, I think totally. Yeah, I think it would have needed to be a box office hit. And another of the sort of controversies that has been since we last talked is that in this precursor award season there are 
literally no women getting nominated. All these great directors and all these big movies that have come out. Um, what are your thoughts on this? My thoughts are it's, it's, it's another year where this is happening and, and nothing is changing. And it's really, it's really ugly and it's, and it's unfortunate and it's unnecessary and it's really frustrating. Because just to be clear with the, uh, with the listeners for the benefit of that, there are some really excellent movies. It's not just a quota thing. I mean, the movies that they've come out with this year are really, really good. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think one of the, one of the issues uh, is there is a strange sense that when there are a handful of really strong female filmmakers and, and, and movies that the media or the press or critics or voters need to somehow coalesce around one choice rather than look at them all uh, equally and pick what they like. It's, it, it feels, this, this never happens with, with, with male directors, but it happens with female directors. It happens with uh, actors who are not white where it's, it's happening in Best Actress right now, where people are like literally having conversations that are around the idea of, well, can we have Lupita Nyong'o and Cynthia Rebo in? And it's like, how is that even a conversation that you're actually happening having when, when it should be an and instead of an or? And that happens with female filmmakers every single year. One would think that something would have changed, but, but I guess not. What about this rumor um, that men in the Academy are actually not going to the screenings of Greta Gerwig's Little Women? I read that, and I, it, it sounded weird, and it sounded like it was... I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that, that it didn't happen. I know that like Little Women was, was screening at the same time of... Uh, another film, I think it was, it might've been Jojo Rabbit and one just had more people in it than the other. And, and I know, I think there was a, maybe some extrapolation from that going, Oh, men aren't going to see little women. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's something that's true or if it's something that's just stoking the fires uh, of this already existing controversy about female directors. Now, since they're not being nominated in this precursor time of these couple, these months and all these things that are happening, how do you think, what's the most egregious thing that will happen come Oscar nominations, you think? Um, I don't anticipate there will be a, a female director nominated, no. At all? Not Greta Gerwig either? I, I don't. I think it would, I think it's... Little Women isn't performing as strongly as Lady Bird, mm-hmm. and part of that is the late release of the film. So, I mean, there is a chance, but the voting window is really, really short, and it's in just a couple of weeks. So if people already have their favorites, you know, then they have to play catch up with uh, 1917 and Little Women and Bombshell uh, and Cats. Right. <laughs> Um, and in terms of, you know, where do these fit into, to, to my list that I've, of movies that I want to nominate. So it's, it's, it's going to be really tough, I think for little women to, to break 
in after already not doing very well at the precursors and globes and SAG and all that. So we're kind of in phase two of the Oscar race, if, if that's something one can say. First, we have sort of the festival season where we see which films are being talked about in terms of Oscar. And, and now, as we've been talking about the precursors, the guilds, what are they and, and um, how do they affect the Oscars? Well, I, every year I do uh, uh, compile the, the Guild nominations and wins in a, uh, a piece called Build by Guild. And that is looking at a, a direct picture of how many guilds that an individual movie can pick up and knowing that all of these branches and all of these guilds together and collectively make for a really strong Best Picture nominee. Mm-hmm. Uh, to happen. And so that's uh, film editors, art directors, uh, sound designers, sound editors, costume design, uh, makeup and hair, screen actors guild, producers guild, directors guild, all of those things. All those things together just make for really, really strong candidates. But at the same time, every year our movies that kind of are able to get everything that they should and then lose out like two years ago, the big sick had uh, sag and makeup and PGA and WGA. And that, those are, that was a really good grouping to get a, uh, a best picture nomination. And it didn't, all it got was original screenplay. And then on the opposite end of that phantom thread, which was an extremely late December release, no festivals, nothing. It, only got a costume designer guild nomination. That's it. And then Oscar nomination morning, best picture, director, actor, supporting actor, score. It just blew up. So that's a, that's a great example of something that is such a late breaker that... You can't even tell, the, right? Yeah, yeah, that the Academy voters really responded to it. That absolutely could happen with Little Women if, if, they, if the voters respond to it. I, th- I think it could. It's it's still an uphill battle, but it but it could. Right now, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is far and away the the front runner for Guild nominations. Mm-hmm. It's got it has everything. And Parasite's so. looking really good too, right? My pa- Parasite's looking very good. That SAG cast nomination was a huge deal. It hasn't happened since Life Is Beautiful. Yeah, that a foreign film gets the uh, cast nomination at the SAG. Yeah. It was a big deal. Because the ensemble or cast award of the Screen Actors Guild um, is actually sort of like the best picture, right? <laughs> Am I getting that right? It's, it's, it's usually regarded as a sort of de facto best picture. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. But it's, it's always a mix of you know, really giant, giant casts, uh, or sometimes something very small and intimate. I mean, Beasts of No Nation got in here with three people. So you just, you, you don't know. And that's, that was a little more campaigning than anything else. Mm-hmm. But like Bombshell made sad cast. That was a huge breakthrough for that movie. And it, it, it made a lot of us kind of question, is it a stronger contender or is this a SAG only kind of thing? Because 
that's also a, a giant, giant cast. Right, with a lot of big names playing other big names. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But let's talk about the SAG Award because the, the Screen Actors Guild is sort of the it's the biggest guild, right? The most um, uh, Academy voters as well, right? The actors are make up a huge part of the Academy. Um, what surprised you about this year's SAG nominations? Uh, well, I mean, definitely the bombshell and parasite getting into cast though that was that was really surprising because on the flip side of that uh it meant that marriage story did not get a sag cast nomination very it surprising. got three individuals yeah it got three individuals and then misses out on cast that was wild i think the two popes missing was a little bit of a surprise just a little bit though Maybe they feel like that's a two-header, like a not an ensemble or something. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even at, for individual nominations, it was a it, it was a surprise. Uh, again, Little Women getting locked out, a little bit of a surprise. But again, this is a very small group of voters. There's only twenty twenty two hundred people that make up the nominating committee, and then one hundred and sixty thousand that vote on the winners. Now, why is is De Niro not showing up so much, even in even though Irishman is everywhere? You know, I think part of it is because he's he's just kind of like a he's a soft lead, and it's really Al Pacino and, and Joe Pesci that are the standout performances, and it's it's just kind of kind of rolling out that way. And who do you th- so you don't think he'll be Oscar nominated? I mean, they love him, so it, there's there's a there's a, a good chance, yeah. Because at this point, I mean, I think only Adam Driver and Joaquin Phoenix are are really really in. Mm-hmm. I think the I think the rest is a little more fluid. And Christian Bale has come on so strong after deciding to to run as lead instead of supporting, which at first I thought was a big mistake, uh, but it's clearly working out for mm-hmm. him. What did you think of Ford v Ferrari? I love it. That's another one of my favorites this year. Absolutely loved it. It's it's a movie that is not, I am not the target demo audience for a movie like that at all. And I loved every second of it. And I was happy for uh, Taron Edgerton's um, nomination in SAG because, I mean, not that Rocket Man is my ever- all-time favorite but i really disliked bohemian rhapsody so much and i thought taron was so much better than rami who actually won the oscar last year so and i was feeling that he was like coming in the year after and he wouldn't get anything even though i felt he was so much better and actually didn't lip sync like last year um Mm -hmm. so that that was kind of surprising for me because i didn't think people were talking so much about it since it was so long ago uh it, it wasn't a surprise for, for me, I, I did predict him to, to get in. Well, you're the expert. And, well, it was some, – sometimes you can, you can look at certain performances and go, this is a very SAG uh, performance. And it also was an early film, uh, which means that more people saw it sooner. And, and Edgerton has been absolutely killing it uh, with – the, the press and and events and he he wants this so so badly and people like that awards bodies like it when you want the award that they want to nominate you for it's it's a component 
and and he really wants it, and he's been playing the game really, really well. It's also a fantastic performance. It is. It really is. And in terms of the women and SAG, I was very happy to see Lupita there. I mean, from Us, who I thought was amazing. I was too. She is far and away the the, the Critics' Choice frontrunner. She's won the most Critics' Awards. And I'm really happy that her performance is, is being recognized and remembered. Because I, I was worried that it it might be just kind of left aside for everything that was coming out in October, November, and December. Right, and the horror genre and all that, thinking that maybe. Yeah, she, she's, she's. I mean, we just saw, you know, Tony Collette last year be the, the, the critic's favorite, and then that's where it ended with her. So she was not able to get any, you know, Golden Globe, SAG, any other nominations. And Lupita is transcending that. She also comes in as a, as a previous winner, so... You'd mentioned the Golden Globes. Now, my perception is that the Golden Globes are a bit made fun of by film critics. <laughs> that it that it's not exactly taken as seriously. That there's no actual actual Academy voters in this group, um, and that there's one. There's one. Oh, one. All right. Yeah. Well, then they better be campaigning for that guy or girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about how people feel about the Golden Globes. You know, it's it's probably for the entire existence of the Globes, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association is always going to to be teased and made fun of uh, for their choices, even when you know they do try and make some changes and improve their integrity. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because they're they're a group. <laughs> A group of very few, like 90 uh, foreign <laughs> sort of uh, press junket journalists <laughs> um, who, yes. who, and that's the whole group. And they tend to really like to nominate big stars and put on a big show. And my feeling is that that it, the speeches that the winners make um, make a big difference for the Oscars later. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, it's... I- Absolutely. And I don't think, you know, as much as, as, you know, we can make fun of them, they are, they are the first televised awards show. And even though it's not uh, industry, it doesn't matter because it's visibility and, and it helps. It absolutely helps. I, I think it was uh, a huge win for Regina King when she won last year and it allowed the misses that, that she had at SAG and BAFTA, uh, it, it kind of made up for that. So abs- absolutely, I think, the, I think the speeches, I think the wins can have impact because they're happening just before, uh, well, actually, this is just at the tail end of voting, of Oscar voting. Oscar voting is the January 2nd to the 7th, mm-hmm. and, the, and the Globes are the 5th. <laughs> I'm really curious about who is going to be uh, a late voter and and let those Golden Globe wins impact their choice. Right. Interesting. And, and in terms of who was nominated this year for the Golden Globes, any surprises for you there? Well, this was like kind of the opposite of SAG, where the two popes did extremely well, and it got into motion picture drama. Netflix got all three of their dramas in, 
and Dolomite in comedy. So it was an extremely good uh, Golden Globe nominations for for Netflix, for sure. Parasite did really well, uh, mostly as expected, but getting into uh, screenplay was a, was good oh, right. and important. Mm. Foreign language film was was interesting because they are not beholden to country submissions the way that the Oscars are. So they can they can vote for you know two countries like they did this year, Les Miserables and Portrait of a Lady on Fire, are both nominated, and they're both France. from France, uh-huh. but only yeah only Les Mis was uh, submitted for the Oscars. The Farewell is nominated, even though it's not eligible for the Oscars. But also, that was the only place that The Farewell could be nominated in terms of uh, a motion picture nomination. Um, And the Golden Globes, they have like two actor categories, best actor in film musical comedy and then best actor in film drama, right? And in terms of actor particularly, there are so many incredible uh, male performances this year. and in both those categories, I mean, someone like Eddie Murphy like or Adam Sandler, whatever, I mean, in all these different, how, how are the Oscars going to get those down to five? What's your thinking? That's, that's really tough because when you look at the five nominated in trauma, Christian Bale, Antonio Banderas, Adam Driver, Joaquin Phoenix, and Jonathan Price, that could be the five right there. Right. But then you go over to comedy and you have Eddie Murphy, Taron Edgerton, and Leonardo DiCaprio. And DiCaprio is probably going to make it, although I keep having this weird feeling that he won't. Um, but who are they going to who are they going to knock out? Are they going to knock out Jonathan Price or Christian Bale? I don't. It's does it matter? You think that like I mean, DiCaprio won recently. Price was wasn't he just nominated for the wife? I mean, does it matter that that? No, he's never been nominated. He, no, he wasn't nominated for the wife. That was yeah. the thing, right? Right. That this will be a first for him if he if he's able to make it. I do think, to your point about DiCaprio, I do think maybe the freshness of his win might hurt him in a way that other people would benefit from it because he's just such a big star. It it, it would have like a weird reverse effect on him. It's so weird because we're talking about these names at the same time. These huge Oscar names like Tom Hanks and De Niro don't feel like they're really in the mix anymore. I know it's I'm I'm just I'm so confused at what it's going to take for Tom Hanks to get another Oscar nomination after being such an Oscar favorite. Yeah, it was like year after year after year, and then suddenly nothing. Yeah, Castaway was his last nomination, and he's come close in in other years, really close with Captain Phillips. So it's I don't know what it's going to take. Well, I, I'm not too worried about Tom Hanks, but this year it just feels like the names that we're talking about there are are, are incredible, um, and I don't see it either, really. I don't know who's going to be knocked out or who isn't. But So we talked a little about the SAGs and about the Golden Glows. In terms of the other Guild Awards that have been going on, um, is there anything in particular you're, you think was, was surprising, fascinating? I think Parasite getting in uh, Ace, which is the uh, the film editing guild, was was good and a necessary get for it. I think Jojo Rabbit is having a really really nice run so far. It has Ace, ADG, 
CDG, MPSE, and SAG. And if if your listeners need the less acronyms, that's that's the Film Editors Guild, Art Directors Guild, Costume Designers Guild, and Motion Picture Sound Editors Guild. And I also recommend my listeners to go into awardwatch.com where you have everything up there and all your predictions because it's so easy to read and look at there. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yes. Irishman is doing pretty well, too. Uh, Joker is doing extremely well. It has multiple, multiple guilds. Uh, so it's going to have a really good Oscar nomination. Morning. Oh, shucks. That's going to win Best Picture. And I don't like the Joker. <laughs> I'm like here. I'm all in for Parasite now. Or any, I mean, anything other than the Joker. <laughs> it, it would be a weird win if that happened. You think so? Oh, you mean Joker or Parasite? Joker. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? I thought now that you're saying that it's winning everything, wouldn't is it? No, it's it's not winning everything. It's it's just it's building itself to be a best picture nominee by having the 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 backing of multiple guilds. Right, right. Well, and on the on the opposite side of that, something like Marriage Story only has one. It only so far has gotten uh, the Ace Eddie Film Editors nomination. But I th- one of the the drawbacks uh, is that it is a contemporary film. And it's a little more difficult to get a larger grouping of of guild nominations than something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, which is a period piece and it has tons of of hair and makeup and and production design. It's a it's a very different animal. And is it Marriage Story just a real actors actor film and with the huge, you know, group of actors in the academy that that sort of helps as well yeah it's you know it's not the type of movie that's going to get a sound design nomination or a production design nomination uh contemporary films have an incredibly difficult time with that so we're less than two months to oscar now right what what there's always some huge surprises that come out of nowhere are do you have anything you're thinking of well I don't know if it would be a surprise, but I'm really curious to see how all of these December movies pan out. Because Mm -hmm. if you go back year to year, it's not that easy for multiple late December releases to get in. It's usually one or two. It's extremely rare that it's three. And, you know, we have 1917, Little Women, and then Bombshell goes wide on the 20th. So it would be very difficult for all of them to get in on this preferential voting ballot. So, so something is, something's going to get locked out. I have one. Uh, um, I think that uh, one of the surprises could be that the actor named Song, I don't remember his last name oh, now, Song from Parasite. I think that he could be one of the ones that sort of pushes out one of those big male actors we were talking about and be sort of the Tavera of Roma from last year. I think it's I think there is a a good argument for that to happen. Uh, I I know he has been on the campaign trail a little bit with Bong Joon-ho and with the film, not as much as. Uh, Julita and, and Marina were 
last year with Roma. They were everywhere. Absolutely yeah. Everywhere. I mean, uh, uh, my friend Kyle Buchanan uh, from New York Times said, I just laughed so hard when he said it. He said, voters saw Marina de Tavira more than they saw their own kids <laughs> during <laughs> Oscar season. And that is true. That is a fact. She was everywhere. I'm just throwing that one in there because it's always fun if it would happen. But I think that that the, if if when in doubt and they're thinking, hmm, this one or that one, maybe he'll come in sort of on the side. I think I think it's absolutely possible because it is a category that 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 feels like it has, you know, a, 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 at least three kind of locked in performances, and so there is movement. I think Tom Hanks is totally vulnerable. Well, Eric, thank you so much for taking your time again with us. This is so interesting. And now we're, I can't, I'm, I'm even, it was very interesting, but I'm more confused than when we began. <laughs> but I assure you that I cannot wait to see Cats. You've completely sold me on it. Oh, it's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to Eric Anderson, editor-in-chief of awardswatch.com. And again, head over there for predictions, interviews, articles, and great coverage of all things movies and awards. And thank you so much for listening. Send me your predictions or your thoughts and comments on the show to Twitter at Christina Biro or on Instagram at Pop Culture Confidential. And if you have a moment, please rate and review the show on iTunes. It really helps us out. This episode was edited by Julia Scott, and I'm Christina yerling Biro. See you next time. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.